Josh Allen, you know, I just want to have a quick word with you. Just a quick word. Not the defensive end, Josh Allen, but the quarterback, Josh Allen. Okay, you have the best matchup all year. Best matchup you're ever going to have in your life. Five points is what you get me? Five? Five? Five and a half. That's what you do? As disappointing on every level. I'm not mad. I'm just a little disappointed in you. And same with you, Joe Burrow. Joey Burrow. Joseph Burrow. Not even a point, basically. And that's what you do for everybody in the fantasy community after everybody placed so much trust in you. They defended you. They went to war with you. And they defended the coach for drafting an alignment or not drafting an alignment. And this is what you do to everybody. Of course, I am Natter alongside the number one Australian analyst. How are you doing over there, Sheehan? I'm good, man. I tell you what, it was a shit weekend to be a quarterback. It wasn't just Joey Burrow. It wasn't just Josh Allen. You and I, congratulations, outscored my two Scott Fishbowl quarterbacks this week. Thanks to a minus 12.10 from Tyrod Taylor. Junk time Dak Prescott made it look a little bit better. He got eight something points, but on my bench as well. And this is how well I did. They were my two best starting quarterbacks. I had Sam Darnold as well, minus 16.22 points. Who'd be a quarterback? You know, it's really bad when over the past two weeks, Jimmy Garoppolo is the highest scoring quarterback uh, out there right now. And he, of course, he had two rushing touchdowns. He's actually, he hasn't been playing the worst of football of his career. But uh, I know, of course, a lot of the, uh, the the fans that were very surprised to see the scoreline for that game. The Niners had two fumbles from the returning George Kittle and one from Brandon Ayuk. He's already on the hot seat. He came just a little bit hotter. Of course, what is going on, Sleeper Nation? Of course, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about our typical justifiable overreactions. And we're also going to be talking about the players you should start avoiding and looking towards in your playoff pushes. Because, I mean, what are we in? Like week 10 now? It's coming up to week 10. It's four weeks till the playoffs start. Exactly. At this point, you should have an idea. Okay, am I making playoffs? Am I not making playoffs? And of course, you're going to need to know the matchups of when you are in playoffs and leading up to playoffs because you got to set yourself up to succeed. No one wants to go against the best defenses and the worst situations possible leading into playoffs. You got to set yourself up to succeed. Today, we're going to help you do that. Other than that, hey, of course, I want to remind everybody to be following the Sleeper Wire Show on Twitter and to always sign up for our Patreon, which of course is a 100% charity-led Patreon. Of course, you don't want to miss out on any articles, podcasts that we do, whether it's us, the Dynasty Show, the great debate that has been absolutely killing it as of late, or anything else in between. Sheehan, you ready? I'm ready, man. I'm ready. So we'll kick off the justifiable overreactions with a nice easy one for you. The last 10 days have been the weirdest in NFL history. That's justifiable. That's a justifiable overreaction. I got to think about that because you have to think like, okay, let's see what happened the last 10 days and has anything weirder happened since? So on the weirdness scale, obviously we had uh, Calvin Ridley opting out of the game. Not that weird, Uh but unusual. Henry Ruggs, very sad story, but certainly an odd big story. Then we had uh, Damon Arnett, the other Raiders first round pick from that draft, who posted a video of himself brandishing guns, threatening to kill people from a burner account that he intended to be from a burner account that he clearly forgot to sign out of. We had Aaron Rodgers going full QAnon. And, you know, it's just been a weird... That's not to mention all the shit that happened on the field. We had the Cardinals missing half their team beating your Niners. We had um, the Jags beating the Bills. I feel like there was another couple of other weird games. Oh, the, the Broncos 
bloody nearly shut out uh, the Cowboys. It's a weird fucking week. And that's the whole point of football. That it gives definition to every, any given Sunday. And I also want to point out that a lot of the big names, the big studs, other than Chubb, didn't do that great this week. If you're, I looked at all my leagues and nobody really went off phenomenally as a team as a whole. Usually, you know, it was just one player he went off, one player did significantly well, and that kind of led everybody's team. But for the most part, teams were kind of underwhelming this week. Yeah, it was a, it was an odd week. I'm just looking back to see who was the um, the wide receiver running back one this week. It was. Um... I think it'll be Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor and Chubb. They should be up there. And then somehow Naheem Hines. I think is going to be relatively close onto that list. He started like a German band. In fact, that um, that Colston they just chewed chewed through him. Obviously, it depends on your uh, your scoring system. But yeah, uh, James Connor okay. had uh, three touchdowns and 160 odd yards. Jonathan Taylor, like you said, 200 yards, two touchdowns. Chubb, Joe Mixon. And then, as I predicted last week, didn't get 100% right. Elijah Moore was a, I think I said he would be a wide receiver one. He was the wide receiver one this week. I like that one. You know, because you did that, I put him in my dynasty league. I put him in my flex. He did phenomenal, of course. But then I looked on the opposite side. My opponent started Jonathan Taylor and Hines. I don't know how you have the, the cojones to do that, but he did. And well, I mean, clearly I lost that week. I think it was a, a, a weird week for running backs. I had some weird starts this week at, at both running back and wide receiver. So I know we had all buy apocalypse, buy again, all that uh, nonsense the other week, but this was, this was a weird ass week. But that's good. That keeps football interesting. The game isn't interesting if you know what's going to happen every week. Yeah, uh, no, I want my studs to do well. That's why I drafted them. They're studs for a reason. Studs do stud things, not my backups. Backups don't do stud things. That's why they're backups. Yeah, but if players just played to their draft capital, there wouldn't be any skill in the game. You could just auto draft and uh and go from there you just uh you know becomes like a video game where just the team with the highest overall wins well i mean i generally have the highest overall so i mean i should be winning (laughs) it's the variation that's what makes this fun it's what makes it a game i like it it's yes it's frustrating i got jobbed in a lot of leagues this week but um i'd always rather the roller coaster uh, it might, you know, the the lows make the wins more enjoyable. Just ask Jacksonville fans. Oh God, I don't want to. All three of them. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm sure Fred Durst was very excited, as was the guy from the Good Place. Um, the Chiefs' offensive struggles are highlighting why Eric Bieniemy isn't a head coach somewhere this year. That should have been obvious to begin with. We know this is Andy Reid's offense. Eric's his job is to just kind of clap. He's basically the the Cowboys version of. Uh, now the Giants version of, uh, what's his name? Jason Garrett. Out here. Jason Garrett, there we go. He's, he's just there. He claps, salutes people, gives people high fives, maybe even a water break every so often. But uh, this is Andy Reid's offense. This is the Andy Reid show. And, uh, I mean, we, we all know he's just enjoying the ride. Yeah, and it certainly seems this year like they've regressed to uh, an Alex Smith offense with three and a half, four yards per play. They're in um, very dangerous territory. And it's dis- it's disappointing that the Chiefs aren't the explosive team that we're used to seeing. Um, obviously, teams cotton on and are almost adopting a bend-don't-break style against them. But it does it- you know, it's the same as the weirdness of the game. It doesn't make doesn't make those games any more enjoyable. Yes. No, no. A tinfoil hat theory is maybe because Andy Reid wants to show that Eric is head coach material. He's letting him perform his style of offense. He's being the play caller. And that is why the Chiefs are struggling a little bit. Yeah, potentially. Or, um, or maybe they've just been figured out. Well, right now, I think the meta 
I hate using the word meta, but right now the meta, the if if you don't know what that means, it stands for most efficient tactical advantage, and you know it shows like what the best teams are doing in order to, of course, confiscate their wins. And you know, if I can get a little technical for a second, Hang teams on. are now opting. What, yeah, go ahead. What, what what word was that? Was that compensate? Did you mean confiscate? Compensate. Confiscate. Confiscate. <laughs> they're they're just stealing the wins. That's what I did. You like that? That's a big. That's, I think that's a four those- syllable word. One of those seven dollar words. There you go. There you go. See, I felt kind of smart for a second. <laughs> almost. 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 So, I mean, if I can get a little quick technical on everybody right now, I think the NFL is on defense is having a quick style change where they're all opting into cover two type defenses. And uh, we we talked about this a while back. I remember that we did where we talked about. Baker Mayfield struggles on offense because he struggled specifically against a cover two zone type defense. And because of that, they couldn't get any deep shots. They couldn't necessarily get the ground game going. They couldn't get anything going in the passing game because that offense relied on running the ball and then blowing it over the top. And no team was able or no defense was allowing them to do that, which is why they were struggling so heavily. And now everybody is doing that to the Chiefs. Now the Chiefs are struggling heavily and then that's what the Jacksonville Jaguars did against the Bills and then we saw them struggle heavily and then not only that but we saw it on Sunday night when the Titans did it to the Rams and they absolutely struggled heavily. So right now we're seeing all the top defenses, all the top teams opt into a specific cover two coverage where an an offense cannot specifically run the ball effectively nor can they pass it efficiently down the field and because of that we're starting to see the dink and dunkers. We started to see Cole Beasley emerge a little bit more than Stefan Diggs and we saw Stefan Diggs struggle in the past few weeks and that's specifically why because they cannot get those deep shots going. The NFL is cyclical. Do you think we're going to see a return or more of a shift away from the spread offenses and more back to the the thumping running games? Do you think you know the move towards the more nimbler linebacker and nickel and dime defenses is helping the Nick Chubbs, Jonathan Taylors, Derek Henrys of the world be more productive than they might otherwise be? I think so. You have to think of right now who, what, what kind of offenses uh, thrive in that situation. And first of all, you would go Sean McVay's offense because, of course, they're usually under setter. They, they love compressed sets and then they love the play action bootleg and then get to the sideline. That's how you kind of get your mediocre intermediate down the field shots. But then you saw in the first half against the Titans, I, I think even our, our, our announcer, what is it, Chris Collinsworth, I forgot his name. Where, well, you know, of course, then here's a guy. He even said it also because the, at the time the Rams were opting into spread formations, regular drop back passes, and then the Titans were absolutely shutting them down. And then once they started going under center, some bootlegs, they saw some success going towards it. And I think the teams are going to have to opt into that style if they want to have success consistently. I totally agree. And I tell you what, we very nearly drifted into actual analysis and uh, information there for a second. It happens. <laughs> and final one to uh, right the ship of sorts after being sacked, picked, and fumble recovered by his namesake. Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, should change his name. Yes. You know, it's kind of like one of those loser leaves town type things. I think, yeah, this is a real-like version of that. Was it the Josh fight? Was that earlier this year? The Josh... Oh, yeah, the Josh, where all the the Joshes came together. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. And, Uh you know, we saw that play out in real time. And I think, you know, Alan Joshua should be the, the quarterback for the Bills here on out. Mm-hmm. He has to flip his name. It has to be yeah. Alan Josh. I think so as well. I think so. And uh, that means next time he comes on the show, we'll have the Walmart Alan Joshua joining us. Mm-hmm. That would be correct. I haven't heard from him in a while. Actually, I lied. I sent him a DM like two weeks ago, and he left me on red. 
there you go. Yeah, sort of sort of dropped off the radar a little bit. So shout out to Dodds if you're listening. Right. What do you got for us? Some wise words of wisdom. Uh, you know what? Never take your Josh Allen starts for granted because sometimes they do that to you. <laughs> That's uh, very practical uh, uh, wisdom for I, us this week. I don't have anything practical or impractical as uh, my wise words typically are this week, unfortunately. You know, I did see something. I nearly messaged you for wise words of wisdom. And I thought, you know what? The Here, amount go of- for it. No, no, I can't remember it. Because the amount of time that you say, do you think I could say this on the podcast? And I say, no, don't say that on the podcast. This was definite. I tell you what it was, and I'm sorry to our listeners out there. And you might have actually said this already. uh, It's okay if you only last for two minutes when you're doing it doggy style, because that's 14 minutes in doggy years. (laughs) Yep, yep, that is true. That's true. (laughs) So there you go. It's facts. It's facts. It's not like it's it's wrong. Yeah. This week's wise words of wisdom brought to you by uh, my Instagram feed. Right. What do we got here? All right. So right now, playoff or nothing. It's playoff or bust, crunch time, clutch time, clutch or kick. So Tom Brady, if you test his, if you test my or Tom Brady's DNA, you'll find a specific gene. It's called the clutch gene. It's either you got it or you don't. And for me, for Tom Brady, it's winning Super Bowls and being phenomenal at football. For me, it's clutching it out in Warzone, being last one alive, getting that dub for the squad. That's what I do. But in this case, we're going to be talking about players that you should be looking for in your fantasy league to make sure that you can clutch it out and get yourself in the playoffs and not only in the playoffs, but make that championship run. So, of course, we're going to be talking about a couple of running backs. We're going to be talking about a couple of wide receivers, some tight ends, quarterbacks, and the almighty, uh, almighty defenses, because that's always matchup specific and people want to jump ahead on that one. Because right now, handcuffs, they're cool. But at this point, they don't necessarily matter as much. Every week, getting closer to the playoffs, your handcuff matters less and less. And it could be used for a different slot. I mean, yes, he still might get injured. You know, it's still a long season. He might get injured and then your handcuff might shine. But at the same time, if you do not have practicality in your lineup and a use for that position, then it ultimately becomes an absolute waste. So, of course, we want to start talking about different matchups and specifications that you can go for. Yes, so... Let me start with a question for you here. What do okay. you look for when you're targeting these matchups? Because you're playing on something like Sleeper. Most fantasy apps tend to say whether it's a positive, a neutral, or a negative matchup for a player. Mm-hmm. Is there more than you look for than just those, the red, the yellow, and the green when you mm-hmm. see those matchups? Yeah, because, I mean, you could have an elite corner on one side and then an absolute trash one on the other side, like the Packers, when... Uh, Jair Alexander. Alexander's there. He's an elite corner. On the opposite side, he's a bum. Now, I shouldn't say he's a bum, but definitely not anywhere near the talent of Jair Alexander. And that's why teams consistently go to that side. And if you look at the Green Bay's matchups for wide receivers, it's not necessarily that good, even though they have a Jair Alexander. So, I mean, if you're looking at a stud wide receiver one who's going to get shadowed by Jair Alexander, you might be going, uh, that's, it's questionable at best. Or if you have like a wide receiver too, such as a Tim Patrick, who absolutely feasts on mediocre corners, then you might like that matchup. Yeah, for sure. I think you sort of hit the nail on the head there. Understanding how those players match up. We we know Jalen Ramsey generally covers one player. Some players only stick to one side of the field. The other week, uh, Patriots versus Chargers uh, on Sunday morning blitz. I was saying, don't start Mike Williams this week because JC Jackson is going to cover him because he's the big downfield receiver. It was good Keenan Allen week. That's understanding that matchup and who those players are going to get. Um, so once the playoffs rolls around, you, 
the likelihood is you're going to have fewer teams to look after anyway. That's just the nature of fantasy football. So make sure you do dig into those those matchups as well. The other thing I want to talk about here before we get into is false metrics, and that's looking at just the raw points conceded to a position uh, without any sort of analysis. What might look like an advantageous matchup for a quarterback might be due to that team having played against Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, um, guys that can run the ball, but maybe aren't great passers or, or aren't getting yards through the air. So while it might seem like a good matchup for, uh, let's say, Matthew Stafford, um, it, it really isn't because they've been giving up their points to running back. So they, they're just sort of some of the things I think to look at. Look at the completions allowed. Look at the uh, receptions allowed rather than just the points to the position. You got anything, uh, anything of that nature? Yeah, right now I'm looking at the New Orleans Saints. And if you look at Yahoo, it'll tell you that the New Orleans Saints give up the second most fantasy points to the wide receiver position. But then if you look at the wide receivers that absolutely went off against the Saints, you would look and see, okay, Chris Godwin had 140 yards and a touchdown. Well, Chris Godwin's must start anyway, regardless of matchup. So he doesn't necessarily count. And then you also look down Mike Evans, same spot. He had as a couple touchdowns and some decent games against them. Of course, he also doesn't necessarily count either. You want to make a, you want to wipe that off. DK Metcalf, he had one catch or he had two catches against them. I believe it was on a Monday night for 96 yards and a touchdown. That's kind of a fluke. You don't necessarily want to catch that either. And then same with John Ross. He had, what is it? One catch, 77 yards and a touchdown. Doesn't necessarily count because you can't rely on that. You can't rely on either wide receiver ones that are must start in that situation, in that offense expecting them to produce and then you have you know anomalies in uh your structure or your big play receivers that happen to score a touchdown which inflates the because right now if you look at it on the wide receiver two to wide receiver three range you will go against the saints randall cobb had 32 yards uh you know dj moore 79 robbie anderson 38 kendrick bourne he actually had a decent game, 96 and a touchdown. Jacoby Myers at a uh, 94 yards. Kadarius Toney, 78. Adam Humphrey, 73. McLaurin only had 46. And so on and so forth. So, I mean, yes, you have your must-start wide receiver ones, and that necessarily doesn't matter. But when you start looking at the wide receiver twos, you really want to look at that matchup to see how other wide receiver two wide receivers performed against that team. That's exactly it. We can look at two real-life examples here, and they're the Raiders and the Eagles, who are ostensibly the third and fourth best to defend the wide receiver position in fantasy. They're conceding 27.8 and 29.3 points to the position on the week, so that's really good. But if you have a look at it, um, the Eagles are allowing the second-highest catch completion percentage. Just teams aren't throwing against them. So whilst it might look like a... a, uh, a dangerous matchup, so to speak, or a non-advantageous matchup. Teams just aren't throwing the ball, but they look like they can be exploited. The Raiders, on the other hand, given up the second fewest touchdowns to the position, and we just talked about Damon Arnett isn't going to be there. Not that he's much. Uh, not that he's much chop. That Raiders secondary has been a mess all year. We know that the chaos that that organization has been in. So if you want to start to target the teams that playing as the Raiders, even though they'll likely be a, a negative matchup per se. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, for the Raiders to add on to yours, uh, their defense allows less than one touchdown per game for the wide receivers on average. So uh, out of all the games, like there is a 0.5 chance that a wide receiver scores a touchdown. That's pretty bad. And even though that wide receiving court in that cornerback slot, I mean, sorry, and even though their cornerbacks are not good at all, 
for some odd reason, they're not allowing touchdowns. And whether that's because teams are able to run it in easily, whether tight ends are scoring the touchdown is a different reason in general. Well, that's it. They've given up the third most uh, touchdowns to running backs and they're in the bottom, you know, the bottom few in terms of, or the, the top few in terms of giving up points to the, the running back position and, and tight end position. So it's, it is really that case of they've managed to stop people but also who have they played. Anyway, let's talk about some running backs we want to target or running backs we want to avoid and hopefully bring you home some silverware. Who have you got on your list? So, I mean, he has a phenomenal week, and because of that, he might be a little bit difficult to trade for now, but James Conner. And now with the injury of... Now his name eludes me. Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds. Now the injury of Chase Edmonds has came up, making it that James Conner is kind of the RB1. If he wasn't technically already the RB1 for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I know a lot of James Conner truthers out there, who I know you're out there somewhere, has uh, celebrated the zero RB strategy and picking up James Conner a little bit has definitely paid off. But right now, James Conner is looking phenomenal. And he looks like the three years ago on the Steelers, James Conner, where he potentially could not be stopped and there's nothing in his way and uh, everything's green grass ahead of him. So I do want to mention that he would be a highly recommended running back for people to go after. Yeah, I think it's been great to see the uh, the connoissance happen this year. Uh, he's always been a popular player. He's got a great story and it's nice to see him um, find a good fit in, uh, in Arizona. My concern with Connor... His body has always been questionable, and without Chase Edmonds there to help spell him, we're going to see Jonathan Wall, we see Eno Benjamin, but is his body going to be put under more stress? As the season starts to wear on, um, you know, what can we expect from him? I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock anyone for trying to get out from under him now, but also, as we talk about uh, with the sell highs, what you can also do is put him in your lineup and get the points. And if we have a look at... His schedule to finish the year, week 15, first week of the playoffs for most people. He has uh, Detroit, obviously given up a lot of points to the position. He has Indianapolis and Dallas, who are actually two negative matchups for or bad matchups for running backs. But we know Connor's excellent in short yardage. We know Connor's going to be their guy in the red zone. So even if he has a rubbish week and, say, ends up with, I don't know, 9 for 31 or something like that, he's still liable to potentially punch in a touchdown or two there and sort of save the uh, the week, so to speak. Is that what attracts you to him? Yeah, because yep. that offense, you know, is going to be explosive. You know they're going to go ahead and get inside the red zone. And that's all you necessarily need in order to be a fantasy productive running back is a chance to score that touchdown. Because once you do, whatever you do stat line is, doesn't necessarily matter because you have already exceeded your projection and to the point where anything else is just kind of a cherry on top. So right now I'm looking at the James Conner trade meter. And these are the trades that happened today, November 9th. And of course, I'll list them out to you and you can tell me if you would do it or not. So right now, keep it simple. James Conner for Mike Williams, straight up. You, Conner, uh, I'm going to have to agree with you there. James Conner, Keenan Allen. That's a little bit tougher, but I think due to positional scarcity and the fact that it's a two-headed monster for the Chargers, James give me Conner, James right. Conner. James Conner, A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. Brown. No Derek Henry. That They're going to have to throw a bit more. And AJ uh, he Brown's is a beast. He did have, I believe it was 11 targets last week. Uh, he, he's going to soak up a lot of targets. And with Julio Jones, uh, I'm not even like worried about him. I'd be more worried about Corey Davis and Julio Jones. James Conner or Leonard Fournette. This is kind of a RB for RB. Conner. Conner. Yeah, I probably would do the same. Now, um, James Conner and Antonio Brown 
for Jamar Chase. Well, Antonio Brown is just a wash, so give me Jamar Chase. Jimmy Jamar Chase, I think I'd agree with you on that one. James Conner and Hardman for Travis Kelsey. Probably want, probably want Conner. Probably want I Connor. I mean, Hardman isn't really anything. Nah. But, um, give, give me, give me Connor. Yeah, Hardman is basically Tyreek Hill's handcuff, and I think as the weeks go by. Hardman's value goes down every single week. Yeah, I'd rather not even roster him. Yeah, okay. So I'd rather have Connor than all of them. So you are definitely going to have to pay a pretty penny for James Connor. Is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he, you're paying the the premium for him for production, and if you draft him at the start of the year, you're not getting rid of him. And it was a great pick to make. I quite like, and this guy was he won people matchups uh, he won people trophies last year Dave Montgomery we haven't seen him for the last couple of weeks he was back on Monday Night Football he's sort of taken over from Khalil Herbert we thought it might be a timeshare but really this was Montgomery's backfield he finishes with Minnesota Seattle and the Giants that's week 15 16 17 because if you're playing playoffs in week 18 just give it away there's no point no there's not I really like uh, that Seattle matchup is exploitable obviously New York are an exploitable matchup that should at least be a similar to positive game script for the Bears. I think they're both, well, the Bears are probably going to be still fighting at least for around the wild card, so they're going to still be trying. Um, and we're seeing Justin Fields emerge as he continues to use his legs more. Teams have to respect that. As he continues to feel more comfortable position, teams are going to have to respect his arm. That's going to open up the game for Dave Montgomery. I really like this, uh, this playoff run here too. Now tell me who you don't like. Um, I'm going to say... I am questionable on DeAndre Swift. Yeah, why is that? I feel like he has become a little bit I don't I don't want to say non-game script dependent, but he has multiple he's had had multiple weeks where he does absolutely nothing and then he has that last minute end of the game punch in for a touchdown that saves his fantasy stat line. And because of that I don't want to say I rely on it and I expect those every week, but if it doesn't happen, his fantasy point value is underwhelming and low. I, I couldn't disagree with you more. I know that he sort of saved his fantasy day. And I think I've used this phrase on the, the show before. It's one we, we say in cricket is there's no pictures in the scorebook, which basically doesn't matter if he scores a touchdown off the last play of the game. It's still worth six points, you know, and Vic Fangio can complain about teams being disrespectful all they like. The game you you play until the the end of the game and the points are all worth the same. With Jamal Williams under an injury cloud, I think Swift is just locked and loaded, provided he can stay fit as well. He's not game script dependent because he's caught more passes than any other running back this year. He's been the best pass catching running back, maybe aside from Cordero Patterson, but certainly statistically they're on a par. Plus, he can get it done on the ground. Um, the two names behind him are Joe. Jermar Jefferson and uh, Godwin Igwebuki. Uh Apologies to Godwin if I've got that one wrong. Um, so it's not like he's going to be splitting time with someone who's coming through if, if Williams is out. And even then we've seen that they can both be sustainable in that offense. We haven't really seen a week where Williams has taken over and Swift's been irrelevant. That is true, but while Jamal Williams was out this week, or last week I should say, he played 71% of the snaps, 12 carries for 27 yards. 
That's almost it's a little bit higher than a two yard per carry average. And so far this year, he's had 90 carries and he averages 3.2 yards per carry. He's definitely one of the bottom of the league in terms of rushes per carry right now. I think Trey Sermon might have a higher yards per carry rush. And uh, he's it's been a healthy scratch for the Niners for the past couple of weeks. Um, it's his pass catching ability that has really saved DeAndre Swift. And the Lions are going to be losing all the games. Ch- ch- chances are I don't see them winning a game this year, especially if you look at their remaining schedule i mean right now at the end they're going against denver arizona atlanta seattle green bay that's not a healthy game script i mean in theory it's a healthy game script for deandre swift because that now his pass catching ability can really shine but i'm uncomfortable with deandre swift yeah i mean he's just been so reliable i i, I can't deviate from him but if you've got him and you want to get rid of him trade deadlines coming up so uh, so have a go if you still can um each year there's always someone who sort of comes from the clouds to win people championships. It's Kenyon Drake a couple of years ago. I have a nice shiny ring uh, just off sh- off camera here, thanks to um, Elijah Maguire, if you remember that okay. name. Who do you think this year could win people? I think it has to be Cordell Patterson. Cordell Patterson. Right now, Nick Chubb's on the COVID list, so Ernest Johnson, if he ends up. I mean, let. I'm going to stop you there because, yeah, Cordero Patterson has been excellent this year. We're talking about someone who comes from the clouds a little bit or has a great playoff run or something like that. Are you, are you sticking with Cordero? Michael Carter probably now. If, you, if, you're, if you're making it like halfway through the season-ish and then on, Michael Carter. I was going to say Michael Carter as well. I think that's an excellent call. He's being more assimilated into both forms of the game and they have... Uh, what we here at Sleepaway have termed the Florida Gauntlet to finish the season in the fantasy playoffs, Miami, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. Because he's been ca- pass catching, he kind of is like a DeAndre Swift in a way where bad game scripts aren't necessarily a bad thing for him because in, cha- in, in theory, he can actually produce more fantasy points, in, especially in PPR formats. So, I mean, when you see Tampa Bay, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world week 17 because you know he's going to be catching passes. Against Jacksonville, they might actually be winning, so he might be he might have already had a productive game and starts running out the clock. And same with Miami and so on and so forth. So, I mean, Michael Carter, you got him cheap. You got him for free. Chances are you didn't draft him. You pick, picked him up on waivers, and it, it'll pay dividends, dividends for you later on in the year. I totally agree. And whether it's going to be Jersey Mike White under center, whether it's going to be uh, Zach Wilson, I think we're going to see a lot of ball to Michael Carter, a lot of ball to Elijah Moore, which I think is a nice segue into talking about some wide receivers. Huh. That was a good job right there. I like that one. Yeah, that's why we're pros, mate. I like to see it. So do you want to start it off? No, I saw Elijah Moore on your list. I think that's a nice place to kick us off. We've already talked about those matchups. Basically, Every argument I think we've made for Carter, you could make for Elijah exactly. Moore. Except for the fact that he, he blew up on Thursday Night Football. Which, as which I'm proud of you for doing. I'm proud of you. You know, it's weird because I feel like every week we've been going, oh, you called that out one time. Oh, you called that out the other time. Oh, you called that out one time. We're kind of going back and forth with that. And, you know, at this point, I'm kind of wondering, like, come on, people. If you're listening, you should be winning a championship right now. Absolutely. There we go. All right. So Elijah Moore, somebody that I've been heavy on. In rookie drafts, I, uh, some people might remember a lot of debating going on with uh, me and a couple other analysts on the show. Uh, but 
Of course, I am huge on the Elijah Moore train. I will always recommend Elijah Moore over Rashad Bateman. (laughs) And because of that, I think owning Rashad Bateman will be a waste of roster spot going into the rest of the year. I'd much rather have Rashad Bateman due to the fact that they are a more pass-heavy offense. They have a quarterback, in my opinion, if it depends on if it's Zach Wilson or our boy White, then I think they have a better quarterback suited to pass the ball. And I think, of course, offensive mind in general is better on the Jets side, making it so I think that Elijah Moore has a better opportunity to put a fantasy points. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree with that. He's um, he's an excellent player and uh, we're only now seeing the start, what he's able to do. And interesting, he has three career touchdowns, all of them 19 yards, two receiving and one rushing. That's pretty good. We talked about Elijah Moore. I'm going to talk to you about another slot playmaker here who I love, and we've seen opportunity open up for him. That's Hunter Renfro. Oh. Uh, obviously a popular player uh, early in the season, popular waiver pickup. You know, he's got that nice solid floor. Without Henry Ruggs there and Darren Waller obviously being the focal point of that offense, we've seen Renfro become more of a scoring threat, more of a big play. Not big play in the sense that he's knocking the top off the defense, but able to you know, take those six-yard catches. They're now eight, nine, ten-yard catches, which is obviously great for fantasy football. He finishes with Cleveland, Denver, Indianapolis. I think he's basically match-up proof because he lines up in the slot. They're going to throw the ball to him, whether they're in front, whether they're behind. You know, Josh Jacobs is unreliable. Kenyon Drake is unreliable for different reasons. Um, But third third and Renfro is always open. I'm agree. Wholeheartedly agree. Checkmark. Agree. So real fast, because I agree, if I didn't make that clear, some trades that went down with Hunter Renfro, <laughs> besides having a cool name of Hunter, is that a nice name? How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, it reminds me of Fremantle Docker's great Kingsley Hunter, which is always exciting. I have no idea what you just said, but <laughs> Hunter Renfro for Josh Jacobs, one-on-one, would you do it? Uh, no, I want Josh Jacobs' positional scarcity. You want Josh Jacobs? All right. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Renfro for Antonio Gibson. Again, probably positional scarcity leads me to Antonio Gibson. In theory, yes, but um, it's Antonio Gibson, so take Hunter Renfro. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's on brand for you. Yes, thank you very much. Still right, by the way. I, st- I just want to say, like, the amount of times I debated somebody on the show for Antonio Gibson, I'm on top. I just want to say it. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. Who are you trying to avoid here? Wide receivers. I'm looking at Cortland Sutton a little bit. Him, Tim Patrick's emerging. He looks like a really good down the field threat. Teddy Bridgewater has been targeting him a little bit more than I would like. Jerry Judy's back. Melvin Gordon's doing really good. Javante Williams looks very dangerous carrying the ball. And the inconsistency at quarterback with Teddy Teddy Bridgewater makes me go, I don't know, can you reliably put him in your starting lineup and put up successful numbers? And I question that ability. So I'm going to rather stay away from Cortland Sutton. Totally agree. Totally agree with you on Cortland Sutton. And annoyingly, I have a lot of Cortland Sutton shares this year, which means that I'm having to start him because that's the the position that I I picked him in and I've not really got anyone behind him at this point. I um I really like Cortland Sutton, but I think Jerry Judy's going to come back. He's going to command a lot of the ball. And as you say, Tim Patrick is basically filling that Cortland Sutton role, but doing it better. Mm-hmm. I completely agree right now. Tim Patrick has been had a phenomenal game against the Cowboys where he actually burned Trayvon Dix for a long touchdown. Looks like he's always open. He's a big body receiver. There's a lot to like about him. 
a lot to like. Sutton just doesn't suit Teddy Bridgewater. He needs mm-hmm. someone who's going to throw the ball up and have him go get it. He's a big rebounder. He's a box-out guy. He's a contested catch guy. Steady Teddy is going to throw to a guy that he knows is open, a guy that's not going to kill the play. And not that Colton Sutton is that, but Tim Patrick certainly is a more reliable option. I think it happens to do with depth chart and position on the field. I think Corlin Sutton is doing routes that Corlin Sutton is good at, but Cor- but Teddy Bridgewater isn't good at throwing Corlin Sutton routes. He's good at throwing Tim Patrick routes, which happens to be unfortunate for Corlin Sutton. That makes sense. Yep. Another name here, not as high profile, but I, I mean, we're talking about your, whether you start or not, your wide receiver twos, your flexes. It's Amanda, uh, Emmanuel Sanders. And he had a big couple of weeks. Finishes with Carolina, who are pretty solid defense. New England, we know what they're about. And Atlanta in week 17, which is obviously an advantageous matchup. But I think we're kidding ourselves if Alan Joshua is not going to be feeding Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, and trying to get that offense tuned up and humming leading into the playoffs. If if defenses continue to show cover two defense against people like the Bills and the Chiefs, then we are definitely going to see regression from wide receivers like Emmanuel Sanders, who've had big games on deep passes, big plays from those intermediate throws, because that's exactly what the cover two defense is designed to stop. And Cole Beasley has emerged and a specific, and it's not coincidentally that he has emerged a little bit more these past couple weeks because he is very good at that short dink and dunk offense receptions and then a little bit of yak after the catch something that Emmanuel Sanders while he can do he's just not as good as Cole Beasley at it and because of that I'm gonna say you are a little bit correct unfortunately that Emmanuel Sanders might have to be on the back burner in your starting lineup I mean right now it's, it's no coincidence that teams are playing the pass on teams like the Bills and Chiefs especially when the Bills and Chiefs are relatively ineffective and underwhelming when running the football Yep. And I'm going to give you one more name here. And I'm sort of torn on what to make of this. And this is Michael Pittman, who I think has been an excellent player this year. Um, I think he and Wentz have nice chemistry. He's certainly taken that sophomore step, which is uh, awesome to see. Because I think these days, uh, with the emergence of these kind of outstanding rookie receivers, we're quick to write guys off. Pittman has New England week 15, Arizona week 16, Las Vegas week 17. They are two bad matchups and a neutral matchup according to the website I'm looking at here. We know that he is going to be the primary target whether they are running the ball or not. And I think against Vegas, Jonathan Taylor is going to be running the ball a lot if the Colts are in front. Um, And Pittman might see some tight coverage. Against Arizona, they'll probably air it out a bit more. Uh, but New England, um, J.C. Jackson, perfect matchup for Michael Pittman. He'll uh, he'll shut him right down. It wouldn't surprise me. I'm also a little bit where exactly you are. I'm a little torn because he's a big body receiver. He knows how to go up and get the ball. And Carson Wentz has just chucked it up to him, said a prayer, and hope for the best. And either Michael Pittman comes down with it or it's a defensive pass interference call. And uh, it's worked out well for that Colts offense in general. Right now, I, out of curiosity, I did the trades, the trade calculator, not necessarily the trade calculator, but different trades that have went down with Michael Pittman involved. Michael Pittman and Robert Woods. That's about where now, his value is right the now. The Rams supposedly have a negative matchup as well, but for me, it's Woods. Uh-huh. So you'd rather have Robert Woods over Michael Pittman? It's so difficult. Pitt- yes. You know what? No, I'm going to go Pittman. I think Pittman's more likely to go big. 
and you need big in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to agree with you. I, I, I think Michael Pittman, as I'm looking through these trades, his value isn't as high as you would think right, right now. Michael Pittman and Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson's value has taken a fat dip this year. Yeah, because he's been 100% correct. I don't want you to forget it. Michael Pittman and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. <laughs> um. I want, I want Pittman there. Yeah. You and I had an off-pod chat about a trade involving Clyde Edwards-Alaire and a receiver today. Yes. I was I was pro-receiver. You're pro-receiver. Okay, just for everybody out of curiosity now, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, I, I have him in a league, and he's sitting on my IR, and my other running backs are Dalvin Cook, Henderson, and Swift. And, you know, I figured, I mean, CEH is just sitting there. He can't do much for me right now. I might as well try to trade him. Somebody offered me Brandon Cooks for it. And I am questionable if I should pull the trigger on it. Because it's not bad. But can I do better? That's, that's the question. Is can I do better? You're pro I'm, Cooks? Uh, I'm, I'm pro Cooks on this side. And, um, well, in, in that case, would you rather have... It's a false equivalency, but an equivalency nonetheless. Would you rather Cooks or Pittman? I think I'd rather have... That's a good one. I think I'd rather have Cooks. I know. I lean towards Cooks a little bit more. Yeah, I am definitely more impressed with Pittman. I had Pittman written off as just, he's going to be a mediocre. He's going to be a Mike Williams. He's going to have a good game here and there, but he's not going to be a consistent fantasy outlet value. It looks like I might be wrong. I don't mind being wrong. It might looks like I might be wrong, but we'll see if he can continue that stretch throughout the year. But of course, let's keep going. Uh, Pittman and OBJ. I think we're all going to go Pittman on that one. Yeah, Pittman and David Montgomery. How about this one? Montgomery. Montgomery. All right, I'll agree with you on that one. Pittman, Josh Jacobs. Pittman. Pittman. Here's a good one. Pittman or Stefan Diggs? Mm. I'm going to go Pittman just because he's the, the one mouth defeat in that offense. Yes, Stefan Diggs. He has been. You called a... Regression. Regression. There we go. That's the word. I was about to say recession. (laughs) Uh, He he had a regression, and you called it. I thought he would have minor regression. I didn't think it'd be this much of a regression. You know, of course, last year he had 1,400 yards. I was going to say he has, you know, 1,200 yards, which isn't that much when you necessarily think about it. But it looks like it's going to be significantly less than that compared to uh, uh, what we potentially expected. So one more Michael Pittman for Josh Jacobs. Oh, sorry, Pittman. Sorry. Sorry about that one. Sorry, viewers. Deal with it. That's all right. If you the the question's so nice, you asked it twice. There we now, go. Now, like do your thoughts one. on Pittman change? And here's another classic Sedway. With the Colts having the hardest matchup for quarterbacks to finish the season, we've already done the the run through of who they are: New England, uh, Arizona, and Las Vegas, and that is the hardest uh, playoff run for quarterbacks. the The problem is is that that team needs to pass. They have to win games too. It's not like you know they're rebuilding or they're potentially not making playoffs. No, they're in the hunt. And they have a realistic chance of making playoffs. So they're going to have to pass. I think they probably should yeah, make the playoffs. They need to pass. They need to win games. And they need to make it happen. And, and, and you, you can look at analytics. You can look at matchups. You can look at specific player matchups. Individual quarterback, wide receiver. But sometimes the bottom line is, is do they need to win? And do they need to make it happen? And if the case is yes and yes and yes, then you go for it. And remember, start your studs. Just start your starts. Yep, I'm with you. Yeah, and that's probably worth noting because the Bills and the Chiefs have the second hardest and fourth hardest schedule. Like you're, you're still starting Stefan Diggs. Yes, he struggled. You start exactly. your studs. You start Stefan um, Diggs. 
Let's look at some easy matchups. We've gone from hard. Let's go back to easy. Jalen Hurts has the easiest matchup, and he has been a, a fantasy revelation this year. And I'm sure when the end of the season rolls around, we might do a an end of season awards show. I think Jalen Hurts has a chance to be the uh, the fantasy quarterback of the year. Yeah, he earns the title. So, fun fact: in another league, um, I have I happen to have Lamar Jackson and Matthew Stafford. And, of course, Lamar Jackson, I think, is right now quarterback two. And I think uh, Matthew Stafford is quarterback four, I believe, uh, on the top of my head. Um, and he offered me Jalen Hurts for Matthew Stafford. And uh, my immediate response is, why well, I already have Lamar Jackson. Why would I want his Walmart version? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I mean, there you go. But, no, Hurts um, has been excellent this year. I think I, th- yeah. I think fantasy wise, you know, you're not getting rid of him. Um, no, yeah, you're certainly not getting rid of him. Who else are we looking at here that could be a potential playoff winner? I'll look at the. I'll, I'll read out some neutral, the the guys with neutral matchups. Okay, and you can say whether you'd be interested in starting them or not. Okay, in a, in a, let's say in a, a two quarterback league. Because it'd probably be slightly different in a one-quarterback league. Correct. Dak Prescott. Yeah, you're starting Yes, yeah, so I, I think we're starting him. You're starting him. Derek Carr. Starting. He's a, he's a real matchups guy. I think if the, the coins fell in his favor. Justin Herbert. Starting. Uh, well, the man with the questionable views, Aaron Rodgers. If he's playing, start him. Trevor Simeon slash Taysom Hill. You know, I really like Trevor Simeon. Yep. But I'd have a hard time putting him in my starting lineup. Me too. You'd feel like a real goose if he... Yes. You know, if... Uh-huh. He's a guy that he could get the hottest of hot. I'm, I'm not going anywhere near him. Yeah. Taysom Hill, on the other hand, if he makes the job his own over the these next four weeks leading into the playoffs, how would you feel about him? Yeah, I would do it. I would do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't start like the wide receivers or the tight end or anything other than Kamara, but I'd start specifically the quarterback only. Trevor Lawrence. No. No, not for me either. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Uh, Michael McCorkle Jones. Old Mac Jones himself. Oh, that's his name. Um, no. <laughs> No, no, I'm not starting either. Ryan Tannehill? Start. Yeah, I've got no interest in Tannehill this year. Daniel Jones? I'd rather start Ryan Tannehill than Daniel Jones. Would you rather start Mac Jones than Daniel Jones? No, I'd rather start Daniel Jones. Yeah, interesting. Would you rather start Nora Jones than Daniel Jones? It's the only other Jones I could think of. Um, Joey Burrow? Start. Uh, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, you're starting. Yeah, you're starting. Well we dive into Trevor Lawrence here. Basically, weeks fi- week fifth, week fifteen they have Houston, start, who beat them, and week sixteen they have the Jets. Now week seventeen is the Patriots. Obviously, that's not great. No, you're not doing that. Houston, the Jets are two good matchups. Yes, they are. Well, actually, week week seventeen, would you rather start Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones? Mac Jones. I think you're probably right. Mac Jones. I think you are probably. Yeah, I was trying to find a spot to cut you off, but I was about to say you start any of those quarterbacks unless they play the Patriots. And then you just happen to start talking about the Patriots. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. 
Derek Carr's the other one you might want to look at matchups. He's got Cleveland, Denver, Indianapolis. So Yes, but they're also in playoff contention. Yes. To the point where they have to make something happen. And Derek Carr has to play at an above average to elite level if they want chances of winning. And he hasn't done anything to make you go, no, I don't want him yet. Yep. Yep. I agree. Actually, this has just reminded me because I was going to make a, a, a car joke here. Damon Arnett of the Raiders fame. What car are we talking about? We we get Derek Carr, which is this. Oh, I thought you meant like a. I thought you meant like a vehicle. Well, car. Th- this is, I was going to say. You know, we we've seen some incidents with the Raiders and cars this year. Okay, there we go. If nice it's job. Marcus Mariota under center, uh-huh. how do you feel about that? I'd be interested. But if if we're in Me playoffs, too. he leads the league in um, uh, net rushing yards above average. Uh huh. Uh huh. But the the problem is, is if Marcus Mariota comes in in playoff time, I don't think I could ever recommend somebody actually starting him. If it's before playoffs, yeah, I'd give it a shot. Yeah, I have started Marcus Mariota in the playoffs, and I didn't win. Um, that was some time ago. No, no. The uh, the story I was going to say about the Raiders and Cars is Damon Arnett, the yeah, huh? cornerback. Yeah. A grade bullhead uh, apparently crashed four rental vehicles yes. in a month when yes. he first, in a <laughs> first month. got to the Raiders. Yes, he he crashed four rental vehicles in a month. That's crazy. That's you know how hard that is. Like I was going to say, some people don't even get in four accidents in their life. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like uh, at that point, you have you have to try to do you have to do it on purpose. You have to. I think he was getting dead. But Vegas is a crazy place. I don't know. Somebody goes, hey, I dare you to get in a car accident. And his immediate reaction was like, all right, bet. Yeah, last time I went to Vegas, I came back married. So there we are. All righty. Um, Not bad. We'll, we'll, I'll finish the, this quarterback run here with the guys with bad matchups. And, we'll, you know, maybe this will be more interesting than neutral matchups. So uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Starting him. Kirk Cousins. Yes. Justin Fields. We're still in two quarterback leagues, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Still in two quarterback. Fields. Matchup dependent. Uh, he plays Minnesota, Seattle, the Giants. Yeah, they're all startable. Unle- I think so, too. He, he's shown against the Steelers that he can be a productive fantasy quarterback. I would want another week of him showing me, a week or two showing me, that he can make it happen until I can confidently put him in my lineup, but... He has shown that he deserves to be a roster spot and a situational I don't think starter. he's startable against Minnesota, but the other two games, I think he is. I can work with that. Jared Goff, we're not starting. Sam Darnold, he, I don't think... PJ Walker finishes the season. I don't have got any interest in him. Sounds fair. Taylor Heineke. Uh, I'd rather not, but he's matchup dependent. Uh, Baker. No. Tyrod. Nah, I couldn't justify Matt it. Matt Ryan. Josh nah. Allen, or Alan Joshua, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was about to correct you. Correct you. Um... Yeah, he's must start. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Matchup, but I'd rather not. I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you're obviously starting him. And the the NFC's own Indianapolis Colts. There we go. We've already talked about Carson Wentz. Nice little throwback to last episode there for everyone. Right. Tight ends. Now, this is one where I think the mat- we look at need to go into those deeper matchups recommendations really because tight end is such a wasteland that and there's a lot of outliers that can affect whether a team is good or bad against defending a tight end because one player's had two touchdowns that week or uh, someone's gone off against which i'm gonna agree unless you now officially have pat 
Hold on. Now I gotta now I gotta practice his name real fast. Um Pat Freermuth. That's the best you've had. You called him um Nah. You didn't call him that earlier. Yeah. You see? didn't call him Pat. See? That's, That's pretty the good. easy part. That's pretty good. He, I mean this week he's going against the Lions. Yeah. And he's currently thirty one percent owned in Yahoo Leaks, of course, yep. is where I'm looking at this at. He 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 needs to be on your That's roster. And the way he gets kind of red zone work and the way he gets looked at in the red zone specifically and even all over the fields. I mean, without Juju and Claypool looks underwhelming. And I think he uh, got tested for uh, a toe MRI earlier. So he might be gone for a little bit. That offense, while they're doing phenomenally running the ball, they need some pass catchers. And that tight end is looking real good out there. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's excellent. I've been in on him uh, from the start. Now, tight in such a wasteland, same deal. You're going to start your studs. You're starting your Kelsey. You're starting your Waller, Gasecki, uh, Schultz, Pitts. I'd even include Dawson Knox in that conversation. Probably include Dallas Goddard in that situation. So I don't think we need to really touch on them. But let's have a look at some tight ends with advantageous matchups and whether we're interested in starting them. We kick it off with the Washington football team. At the moment, it's Ricky Seals-Jones, but it'll be Logan Thomas. Yeah, I can get with that. Either one of them. If one's gone and without the other, then you can justify if it. If Logan Thomas is on your wave away this week, scoop him up, because he is one of these players who I think can be a league winner. Pat Fremerth or Logan Thomas? Logan Thomas. I, I kind of want to go Fremerth. They have Fremerth. the Eagles in week 15 and week 17. How's that off the top of my head? That's pretty yeah. good. And then Dallas in week 16. So the Eagles uh, have given up the most points to tight ends this year, which is why that's such a good matchup. And they have them twice. They also have the most difficult matchup for wide receiver. And this is where we come almost full circle to what we're talking about at the start. Eagles are a good matchup for tight ends, but a bad matchup for wide receivers because other positions have been scoring against them. Also, they currently only have McLaurin, who... Is underwhelming this year. He, he's done his bit, but yeah, he hasn't been the the explosive player that we hoped he might be. So I'm all in on Logan Thomas, and I think this could be our first like true nug of the night. The true nugget. I think it's a true nice nugget. little tendy for everybody. Yeah, Zach Ertz. I I have him as a start your stud yeah. these days, despite the mouths defeating that. Offense. Yes, he he looks faster. I think it might be the red, but he looks like a he was looked lumbering, but he looks explosive. I think it's a little. Um, which might call it? I think it's just rejuvenating. Yep, well, I think you're right. I think you're right. Hunter Henry, he's been excellent this year. Um, obviously, if he's the man there as opposed to Jono Smith, then you want to be in on him. Have you got any thoughts on uh, on the Milf Hunter? Hmm. I'm a little questionable on him so far. I can't confidently start him. Yeah, it's been hard. Well, you say it's been hard hard to trust but he's been he's been pretty consistent to be honest um, and he scored again on the weekend which is always good um, I'll, I'll run through the next names and just stop me if any of these are interesting too okay. uh, either as a, a smash start or a spot start and that's uh, Ryan Griffin of the Jets spot but probably not no, I don't think so George Kittle you have to start him Austin Hooper or David Njoku spot but rather not Jared Cook and Donald Parham the golfing pig spot Higby. Probably smashing. Dan Arnold. Spot. Mark Andrews. Smash. CJ Uzama. Uh, spot. Pharaoh Brown. Nope. Evan Engram. Spot. Noah, well, Noah Fant or Albert Akui Boonham. 
Uh, I mean, I'd start Noah Fan. I would not start Akua Bungum. Good effort. Thank TJ you. Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Yeah, go Adam for it. Adam Troutman or Jawan Johnson from the Saints. Nah, Saints. I'm good on either. Tyler Conklin, who's been a little bit of a revelation the last couple of weeks. Spot start. Yeah, so what this is basically telling us is that as, unless you have those absolute elite, then you're playing the matchups, and I think that's absolutely fine. So yeah. if you are, as I say, get Logan Thomas now. He's a guy you can probably put in your lineup and start rest of season. The, the Washington football team had their bias. So you don't even need to worry about that. Hunter Henry's probably a bit of an interesting case because the Patriots actually have the bye week 14, so if your playoffs start a week earlier, he won't be there. That's that's unfortunate. I think Jared Cook is always a, a good option, I think, if if you've got Yeah, Jared Cook is kind of like the backup option. You know what he is? He's like chocolate ice cream. For me, it's not necessarily the first flavor, but if it's there, you know, why not? He's more like chocolate rain, just because no one ever talks about chocolate <laughs> It's too rain. old. Uh, now, you're Mr. Kicker. Who who are you liking? See, with kickers is you have to look at which teams can win a game without scoring touchdowns. I like the Browns, and I like the Patriots, but there's no way yep. Nick Folk is probably on your waivers right now for anybody to pick up. I picked up, up. about three leagues. I think all three of my kicker leagues really? last week off waivers. That's yeah. interesting. Um, yeah, right now I like the Browns and McLaughlin, McLaughlin, Graham Gano, Matt Prater. I'm trying to look at people with uh, kickers that you could actually pick up. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to pick up Harrison Bucker. You're probably not picking up Young Young Hoku or uh, Ravens' Justin Tucker. So I'm kind of trying to like disqualify or like Tyler Bass. Chances are you're not going to find them on your waivers. I'll give you two names here. Matt Amendola from the Jets. I think as that offense starts to click, starts to move it down the field. He's had some shaky moments, but they're going to be in the red zone, but not necessarily able to convert. Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott. The other one, Brian Johnson, and not just because he's uh, got the same name as the lead singer of ACDC, the kick from the Saints, and uh, he's going to be kicking in a dome. Uh, that is, is nice. nice as well. I will agree. And almost the same deal as uh, as the Jets. They're going to be able to move the ball. Whether they're going to be able to convert is a different story. Yes. That's always like something to look at, and are they going to get blown out to the point where they're going for it on fourth down, or can they even get there? I think that's usually yep. the biggest issue that people have when judging kickers because usually it's always that is that offense high powered well i mean you don't necessarily want it to be high powered because i mean if they're scoring touchdowns then you really only get a potential of one point but if they miss it then you lose two so i mean you don't really want touchdowns it's not really worth the risk yeah absolutely and now let's uh should we finish on some some defense talk yeah i mean defenses dst stashing defenses is some of the most important things you could do when you're making a playoff push because having a good matchup is one of the most important things like right now going against the jets going against going against the jets phenomenal going against houston great going against uh carolina like carolina good lions good you know of course you want those high potential opportunities to give yourself cheeky points you know they're cheeky yeah. And when you are able to put up 10 plus from a defense, it feels good. It feels real good. It feels nice. Yeah, 100%. So this is, again, another one where you want to be looking sort of beyond the points they're conceding. Defenses are unpredictable and the scoring is kind of whack. And so you have teams that are big scorers because they've shut teams out or they'll have, you know, the, the plus 10 bonus point for shutting a team out or plus seven for keeping them really low is, is almost OP. I want to look at sacks. Because sacks lead to points. 
directly. Sacks lead to turnovers, be they fumbles, picks. Putting pressure on the quarterback, that's where you get those big plays. One that I want to target is the Minnesota Vikings, uh, who are second on the year for sacks. Don't have a lot of interceptions, but they aren't conceding a lot of points either. And let me just see who they have here. They finish with Chicago. Oh, actually, I take this back because they play the Rams in Green Bay. That might be a so little difficult. Chicago in Week 15, very interesting to me. That's doable. I, the Chargers defense, they have Kansas City, and we know Mahomes has been prone to turnovers. They also have Houston and Denver, which could be turnover or low-scoring games to finish the season. We get Nick Bosa there. They've got a pretty actually they've got a pretty good playmaking defense. Asante Samuel Jr. has been quite good. Yes, Asante Samuel has been nice. I've been starting the Chargers defense for the past couple of weeks. I like them a lot. The Raiders, Cleveland, Denver, Indianapolis. I could see those being big turnover games. Only problem is Cleveland, Indianapolis, two of the better offensive lines going around. Mm-hmm. Right now, I am looking at the Titans. They're rostered in twelve percent of leagues right now, and. Their week 15 is a little rough. 16-17 is going to be the San Francisco-Miami, which are usually, uh, I'd say, plus matchups for that for that defense. And they still haven't played Houston yep. yet. So right now, I mean, they're going to go into New Orleans this week, which, I mean, it's not the worst matchup, but it might not be the most comfortable one. And then they go against Houston, and then they go against the Patriots. And then they have a bye week, and then after that is Jacksonville. That's a good stash right there. In my opinion, the Tennessee Titans, who are in Yahoo, are, are rostered in 12% of leagues. Yep, don't mind that. I was going to say the Saints staying in yeah. the South. Uh, Tampa Bay, week 15, obviously not that great, but they tend to cook up some pretty good stuff for Brady, know how to make him uncomfortable. They have Miami and Carolina. That's pretty and good. They are, uh, yeah, they if are you happen. Symbolic. Got any more thoughts on. Ye- oh, sorry. Yeah, and the new, before Tampa Bay, week 14, they have the Jets. They're pretty good also, they're a good stash. Niners, interesting. They've Atlanta, the Henryless Titans, and Houston. The Niners' secondary is so bad, and their front isn't necessarily compensating enough to make up for it. I have a difficult time. There you go. That's that's the 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 insight we have for you here at Sleepwire. Mm-hmm. There you go. And, and we don't know necessarily know what's going to happen at the end of the year. Like right. you know, if if teams aren't winning, they start tanking. They start playing the backups. I mean, uh, even though it is a plus matchup, if backups are in, then well, I mean, it's not necessarily a plus matchup anymore. Well, yeah, all bets are off. You you want to be looking at teams who are uh, in playoff contention, aren't you? So I have another podcast to record very shortly. So we need to get oh, into my bad. the two minute drill. My bad. All righty. <laughs> That's all right. You know, we all can't be cool like you. So. Um, I mean, that's true. Otherwise, I wouldn't be special. Do you want to kick us off this All righty. Let's hit it off. Let me hit start on the two Do minutes. It. Boom. So first off, we got to start it off with the legendary game where I actually think Jacksonville is going to win because they go against Indian- in the Indianapolis Colts. And you can always ask a Colts fan, Jacksonville always plays them tough and always finds a way to take that win. So you know what? I'm chalking this as a Jacksonville victory. They're going to be two, I know. The real Josh Allen is going to have another phenomenal game right now with five and a half sacks i think he's gonna have another two sacks this game and just take over and take another dub for everybody and then we have five and four against five and four with the cleveland browns against the new orleans new england patriots if nick chubb plays 
I think he has a phenomenal game. But if he does not play, then I think we're going to see Dirt Ernest Johnson have another big game in himself. Now, and you also want to talk about on the opposite side of the football, Ramondre Stevenson. I know you've been a big fan of him. He had 17 snaps last week, and he had the most rushing yards and the most receiving yards on that roster. I don't know how that worked, but that's how it worked. And then, of course, we had a layup game. A layup game for the Buffalo Bills against the New York Jets. But now, all bets are off. I don't know what's going to happen anymore. I don't think it's going to be that good. I had 40 points right now booked onto Josh Allen. Now, I don't know what to expect. It might be five. It might be 40. It might be 30. It might be three and a half like he did last week. I don't know anymore. And I don't want... I, I'm, I'm sad. It makes me sad inside. And of course, I can't... I can't not go over the two-minute drill and not talking about the 0-8 Detroit Lions against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Detroit Lions need to take a book out of every bad team's hand and just follow the good teams and just at least try to imitate it. Because if you do that, then you could at least play a team well. Uh, you could just talk to the Jaguars all about that. So right now, I am going to expect a Steelers win, but the Steelers know how to do one thing phenomenally, and that's play to the other team's strengths, making it so I'm actually kind of scared that the Lions might come in and win this game. So uh, I'm going to ignore that game because I don't want to think about it. And then I'm going to move on to what should be a... Oh, it's always a phenomenal game. They always... That'd be your, uh, that'd be your yeah, time, I think. Yeah, two it is. I hit two minutes on the dot. Actually, I lied. I tried going for one more. <laughs> oh, well, close, close enough. enough. I'm going to start where you sort of left off. And I think Detroit win this game against Pittsburgh. As you say, Pittsburgh have an innate ability to play to their opposition's level. I think Detroit coming off the bye, they're going to be angry keen to uh, to bite some kneecaps and I think this could be the one that breaks the streak. I wonder if this might have been the game you were going to talk about. That's the Saints at Titans. I'm very interested uh, in this one. These are two teams that are probably lacking a bit of identity due to various personnel issues. We might see Simeon, we might see Taysom Hill uh, get a bit more work. We'll see Adrian Peterson. Uh, the revenge game for those of you who remember when he was briefly on the Saints. But the, at five and three and seven and two, there should be playoff implications for both teams, even though they're on the other sides of the conference. I think if Tennessee win this week, basically sews up the uh, AFC South for them. Certainly not mathematically, but at least theoretically. Maybe this is the other game you were going to talk about: is the California Bowl, Rams at 49ers. I think that's going to be an awesome Monday nighter. The Rams likely to run away with it, but you never know. As we talked about, Jimmy Garoppolo has been good the past couple of weeks. Seahawks, Green Bay should be interesting. Hopefully we get Wilson v. Rogers. This is going to be disappointing if it's Geno Smith versus Jordan Love, but you never know. Uh, with this sort of matchup, there should be a lot of points going in both directions. You know, we might see Odell Beckham in the green and yellow for the first time. Minnesota at the Chargers should be a nice high score, a good red zone game. Probably the best, well, two of the best one-two punches at wide receiver in the league. Diametrically opposed quarterbacks. You've got the, the hot young Justin Herbert who can air it out. We've got Captain Conservative, Captain Kirk. So should be an interesting game. It's on at the, uh, the afternoon window. So fix your eyeballs on there if you can. And... The rest of the game nice the excellent there we go so i mean the the game well, i don't remember if you said it or not the kansas city chiefs versus the raiders usually this is always a phenomenal game and we get to see it sunday night because the raiders always somehow they play amazing against the chiefs where it's always a high scoring game and it ends up becoming a game of who has the ball last and that team the raiders own prime time yeah, the raiders know how to play prime time i don't know what it is about prime time but they play phenomenally against it and 
you mentioned the Raiders, I mean, not the Raiders, the Rams versus the Niners. Statistically and coincidentally enough, the last four times they've played, the Niners have won. Yeah. It will be, yeah, it be uh, you know, this time is going to be different. We're going to see Von Miller for the first time in a Rams uniform. Of course, new offense. We're going to see exactly how teams start playing against these high impact offense are we going to still see are we going to see teams be hard-headed and stay in their scheme are they going to completely switch everything up and then start playing that cover to shell because i think i don't want to beat a dead horse on the defense but i think we're going to start hearing that a lot coming into this year and then in future episodes and future years on how defenses evolve and switch yeah i think you're right i think this is going to be an interest the tail end of this season probably into next season is going to be one of these essay pieces in five years about hey when did this happen Mm -hmm. because i mean if you think about trends in the nfl and how everything went i mean if you think about it you know uh what is it over a decade ago there was a wildcat that was the the hot thing for offenses and then after that it became the read option then it became a little bit of ground and pound when every team was looking for their own marshawn lynch and then of course we opted into the spread offense and now i think we might see another evolving offensive change where people kind of go i want to say ground and pound a little bit I'm going to give a book recommendation here, and we don't often do this because nobody uh, reads. Neither of us really read. But it's a book called Essential: The Essential Smart Football, and it's a couple of years old now. Some of it's a bit dated, but it, it essentially charts scheme changes and game changers uh, at the scheming level and and how the game's evolved. As I say, it's a little bit old, a little bit dated now. It's not like uh, Thinking Man's Guide to Pro Football, which is about thirty years old. It's you know five, six, yet seven, ten, maybe years old. Uh, it's available on Kindle Unlimited if you subscribe to that, so it's included in your package. Give it a read. There's some interesting breakdowns, but it's essentially what we're talking about here in that how the games, how scheme shifts to counter different things and then counters to counters to counters. It's it's, it's very interesting. And the chapters or essays are very short, which uh, excites me as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, with Jared Goff and the Rams, when he was on the, the... Jared Goff was on the Rams, it was the cover four defense that actually gave that offense a significant... Uh, I want to say like an edge, but it definitely made the Rams Jared Goff offense very difficult to produce because the the cover four, the way the corners and the safeties react would always give them the opportunity to keep the ball in front of them and, uh, of course, make plays that way. I think the Bel- Belichick and the Patriots famously in the Super Bowl, they specifically only ran cover four defense for, I think, for a majority of that game. And then, of course, we famously saw them put up only three points that whole game. Easy to and, disguise and then, cover four. Easy to disguise, easy to execute, and... Uh, it's not the most difficult defense for everybody to run, which uh, and now I think the cover two defense is now becoming the new cover four, where it's not difficult to run, easy to disguise, and uh, easy to execute. Yeah. So, with all of that in mind, yes, let's turn to something which we're no good at, as opposed to talking about scheme prognostications. What do you got for me this week? I should say we are zero and twenty-two for those of you keeping tabs. Last week you said there'd be a hundred plus points in Green Bay versus Kansas City. Didn't happen. George which is why he's not here tonight, said Adrian Peterson, 100-plus yards from scrimmage, touchdown, didn't happen. Did get a touchdown, though. And I said the Jets would win. Elijah Moore would have 100-plus yards from scrimmage, top 12 wide receiver. Was the wide receiver one close only counts with horseshoes and hand grenades? I'm going to go that Jimmy Garoppolo is wide receiver, or no, sorry, is quarterback one for the third week in a row. Yep. Uh, not Sorry, not quarterback. Well, he would say after the third week, he will still be the quarterback one. Cool. Over the past three weeks, he will still be quarterback one. Is that on a per-game basis? Points basis. Points basis, because remember, we've got points people having buys in it. Yes. All right. I, I think that's pretty Is conservative, it? but you know what? We haven't had a win, so um, I'll, oh, I'll let man. you have that one. I feel like I need to change it hmm. now. This one is going to be one to track on red zone. 
but we see a record number of defensive or special teams or defensive and special teams touchdown this weekend. I don't know what the record is, but this will be like a Scott Hansen giving you, you know, we've never seen this many defensive pick sixes on an afternoon here on Red Zone. Chris Hansen? That's my Scott Hansen. It's not very good. I was thinking today on my commute home from work whether I'd say to you, should Scott Hansen and Chris Hansen switch jobs and watch seven hours of pedophiles getting trapped? Um, <laughs> commercial free. You could have said, hey, should Scott Hansen and Chris Hansen switch jobs? I would have been like, how? They're the same person. <laughs> That's true. Well, I'm going to go with the uh, record DST scores. You've got Jimmy G. I think this could be the week. I'm gonna, no, no, it's not, yeah. That's too easy. That's too easy. I'm switching it up. So uh, by the end of the week, the Raiders will have one more huge scandal. Ooh, we'll be the judge of that. Okay, all right, that's fair. So I like it. Is that better? All right, thank you, thank you. All righty. So of course, if you enjoy the show, then I always I'm going to recommend that you follow the Sleeper Wire on Twitter, and of course, you want to follow this podcast to make sure you hear our beautiful voices every single week. And then of course, the Sleeper Wire show on Twitter. If you want to follow me specifically, send me a meme, trash talk me. Or, or or whatnot, troll me, you know, I'm all for it. I will join in on that action. You can follow me at Top Tier Tactics with an underscore at the end. Sheehan, where can everybody find you? As always, I'm at Sheehan Solo on Twitter. That's S-H-E-A-H-A-N-S-O-L-O. You can keep up to date with everything from this podcast, all the writing from the amazing team we have at Sleeperwire, my general thoughts about things, and um, should have the latest episode of Screen Pass coming out uh, next Monday. Go. So other than that, hey, good luck, everybody.